From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be, right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Robin Boyd and Kimberly Minaldi and we are going to talk today about beliefs. And there's like a hamster wheel, you guys, that, you know, beliefs beget emotions, emotions beget beliefs. Because I feel things and they change my thoughts and I change my thoughts and my feelings change. And I'm constantly on this hamster wheel of, oh, Alexa, shut up. I have got to shut my Alexa off. Um, but she's here. We'd like to give show credit to Alexa by Amazon today. Um, that hamster wheel of beliefs, you guys, makes it... All right, you're going to have to, she's hogging the show. Alexa, off. I have her setting my vitamin reminder, my reminder to go to the gym. So now my beliefs have changed from loving her. Okay, Alexa, stop. Alexa, stop. Off. Alexa, off. Alexa, off. Okay, sorry. We just had beliefs going to emotions. Emotions went from I love you to I hate you to I'm going to unplug your little ass and we're going to continue with the show. (laughs) So how beliefs change our emotions and vice versa. But Robin, you you read something or heard something recently that I'd love you to share for our guests. I was just trying to find it so that I could quote it more exactly. I listened to John Tesh. He has a radio program. If you've known John Tesh as a pianist and over the years, he's just a a wonderful uh, personality. He has a radio show now, a syndicated show called Intelligence for Your Life. And in between songs, if you get that radio station, and of course, it's also on his website, johntesh.com, he has these little... um, factoids if you will that his staff puts together and last night I'm driving home and he's talking about uh do you cry at everything are you emotional about things and and we'll talk about it in a minute and I'm like cranking up the radio because I gotta hear this because I cry at everything and he (coughs) said that it isn't just um something very simple there is actual scientific study that some people are wired if you will to feel things more um, vividly, more you have more sensitivity. It's a positive thing. It's not a bad thing. So when you're sitting in uh, church and hear a song, and you have, all of a sudden you're you're crying, or you know the the kids send you a letter. Oh gosh, I found a letter the other day. My daughter, after her marriage, um, had sent uh, my husband and me a letter of thanks. My daughter is very stoic. She's very pragmatic. For her to send this very emotional letter just sent me in tears. And here, what is it, seven years now, I found happened to find the letter, crying my eyes out because there was just something so sincere, so real. Anyway, so don't hesitate. Don't, don't try and hide it. Let those tears come because you are wired for it and you're one of the more fortunate ones. Yes, because if not, you're like me. I am not wired with great sensitivity. And I have to really be hit by a truck to feel anything. And I think it's really hard for people who don't feel things as acutely as others. Like I can feel other people's pain. It like radiates off them and then I can feel that. But if you ask me right now, how do you feel? What do you feel? I'm like, I got nothing. Yeah, I I was actually, um, I was wired for sensitivity and I was shamed for it. As a child, I was called yeah. tiny tears. That was Aww. my name. Well, better than big and, fat tears. <laughs> well, this is true. <laughs> big fat fat size yeah. tears. <laughs> but I, I was shamed for being so sensitive, and mm. I come from really unhealthy upbringing. So I, I, we're gonna kill that part of me. We're gonna stuff that down, and I became Gone. very left brain, very pragmatic, very detail oriented and emotion had no part in it to the extent that having gone through menopause in the last two years I cry at the drop of a hat and I'm scaring the 
crap out of people who have known me all these years because they're like, oh my God, if she's crying, it must be horrible. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm crying because I'm, I am feeling this right now. And I cry for good. I cry for bad. I cry with you. I cry. Mm -hmm. My husband Mm -hmm. lost his mom two weeks ago. We went to dinner. Long story short, I did offer to help his mother with assisted suicide many years ago because she wasn't happy. It's every daughter-in-law's dream to offer mother-in-law and I was given a legal opportunity. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but that was just so unexpectedly funny. But no, it's true. We're having dinner. He, it was five days after his lost his mother and I, I was out of town until literally the hour before she passed. And I came back in town and I said, I, I just, I'm not being insensitive, but I need to know, have you cried? And he goes, of course I've cried. She's my mother. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting at the restaurant and I'm sobbing. And I said, I can't stop crying. And she was probably my least favorite person in the entire world. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, and that's why I said, stay where you were. Don't come home. I've got this. Oh, gosh. Wow. But yeah, I'm just, I, he was, I was like, you should be crying. It's your mother. I'm crying and she's not my favorite person, but that's yeah. where I am now. And I don't even apologize anymore. It's just oh, no. where I am. Yeah. Well, it's hard to feel like, I don't know. It's hard to feel what you don't feel. Like I will be in the yeah. movie theater and something really sad or awful will happen. And I laugh. I don't mean to, but sometimes it's just so funny. And, you know, I'm reminded of that old Mary Tyler Moore episode with Chuckles the Clown. Or, you know, <laughs> remember when that scene where he's like, <laughs> I mean, I even started giggling at my mom's funeral because nobody wanted to sit next to the casket. I know it sounds awful, but it was one of those traditional Catholic ceremonies, you know, you put the pall on the casket, you roll her to the front, and then everybody's like, you know, I come from a big family, like, I don't want to sit with mom, I don't want to sit with mom, and I'm like, yeah, go sit with mom, and you know, it's just, I think it's a lot how you deal with things, like when I have things that are really super emotional, I don't think I have the adult bandwidth, (laughs) or maybe it's just the way I cope, I have no idea. I think you that's it. It's your coping. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a coping mechanism. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. It mm-hmm. really. I, <laughs> yes, Kimberly, there is. When you burst out laughing at a funeral. There's, <laughs> my husband flipped the lights on at my dad's deathbed over the hospital bed. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm inspiring. I'm going to the light, John. I mean, it's. <laughs> The thing is, it may be tremendously heartbreaking. It may be difficult experience, but if you survive it, I'm a big believer and you better find something light about it to be able to get through it in the future. So I'm always looking for the funny, the release, the relief, if you will. Yeah, I think I need to marry you because most people I've been around don't, um, they don't enjoy that aspect of my personality. And the, the thing is, I know that I'm not the only one because my little brother, who's a year younger, you know, mm-hmm. he's as bad as I am. And even as kids, we could not sit together in church mm-hmm. because they'd be up there, you know, doing the Anomine Patri, Live Fili, and Spiritus Sanctum, and everybody be walking around, be all be serious. And I'd be like, I think the lady in front of us just farted. <laughs> And she did. So we started laughing. And then when he laughs, I laughed more. And then my mom would separate us. Yeah. I, I did the a family member told me they found the Lord. And they said, was he on a milk carton? I'm not <laughs> sure. So I'm with you. Yeah. Oh, my God. My roommate in college, she still will not let me live this down. Like I was raised, my mom was almost a nun, you guys. I mean, she was that serious. I can tell you my prayers inside and out. My uncle Gary's a Baptist pastor. I know the Lord. Okay. And she found the Lord, you know, like when she was 19 in college at Northwestern and she's like, she came home one day and she's like, have you tried Jesus? And I'm like, Oh, he was delicious. (laughs) I thought she was going to kill me. Oh. Yes. 
See, I get you. I totally get you. You know, like when you do like, you know, as a believer for me, like I find great comfort in that, you know, it works for me and I can turn it over to God when I need it, Mm -hmm. but I'm not evangelical. I mean, that's about as evangelical as you'll get me. The platypus proof that God has a sense of humor. (laughs) All I'm going to (laughs) say. Yes. He made me this way. If he can't take my sense of humor, that's not my fault. Well, and you know, when I was getting divorced, you guys, and it was really ugly, and we had this particularly ugly um, court exchange where I was accused of a lot of really awful things, and I was driving home. I think I called you up because I was driving yes, you home. Yes, I was going to say, I think I remember this day. Yep, and I'm like, good job, God. Like, yep, great job on that creation. You really nailed it, knocked it out of the park <laughs> And I'm like, well, that's a real relationship with our creator. Like, you know, it shouldn't be just, oh, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. It's like, hey, why did you make this jerk? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because our beliefs do change as we get older. I think for me, the, the death of my mom, the death of my marriage, the death of my company, the death of my bank account, like all of those conspired to make me a much calmer person. You know, don't you think so, Rob? I'm so much calmer than I ever was. Absolutely. What I was going to say is I think there's an element of belief that is you take or you you absorb what belief you need at that moment. If you're solid, if you're humming along, your belief is like, yeah, I, I've got this. My world around me is copacetic. I'm cool. I'm great. When you're facing something more difficult, your beliefs change because you're searching for what you need to get through whatever you're facing. Yeah. What do you got, Kimberly? You know, I I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that you're given exactly what you need, whether you believe it or not. Well, that's it, very true. You know, it, I'm, I was raised Catholic, but just like you, I'm a Catholic school graduate. I'm married in the Catholic church. Mr. Rinaldi still attends mass every Sunday morning. He now pulls the blinds and lets me sleep in. We have a different belief set at this point. I truly believe that it's, And not that I believe everything is left up to God in his infinite design. I think we had a hand in it on the other side. But I believe those who challenge us most on this side are our most beloved on the other side, or we wouldn't have trusted them with the challenge. And that's a hard lesson. People are like, oh, they'll get theirs. Karma will turn around. How do you know the karma wasn't yours? You know, Mm -hmm. karma has no conscience. It has no consciousness. It's a balancing scale. I believe they're balanced when you say they are. And I believe your internal, and we were talking about mindset in the last show, I believe your internal conversations and internal dialogue mm. really has a lot to do with how you experience faith and beliefs and direction in life. And I don't stand by and let things happen anymore, but I have become more of a silent witness and experiencer of my life versus somebody who's just trying to shove that square pig in the round hole anymore. Well, see, and I think I found that, (laughs) you know, like with the challenges of of the last decade, you know, I look at it as like, you know, like now I look back on it and go, it was life school. Like it grew me up. It showed me what's important. It gave me a career. You know, I didn't feel like at the time, but it gave me a radio career. It gave me a writing career. You know, it gave me something to say. It, It allowed me to minister to people in a way that I couldn't before. So did I like it most of the time? No, but I'm also really hard headed. So would like the universe had to like, not just pat me on the tush. It was like, boom, right in the head. And then as soon as I'd get up, it would, you know, knock me down for the count. But it all, all of those things, like on the outset of it, like on the, on the outside, when I run into my ex-husband and his new wife and I run into people and I, I, I have friends who are losing their parents I'm a much better person. I, you know, not that I was awful before, maybe I was, I don't know, but you know, now I'm like, I get it. I get what you were doing for me, God. You were growing me, you were teaching me and I'm not always coachable. I'm not always teachable. So I had to go through it 
you know, and if you asked me, would I go through it again? I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred times mm-hmm. over. I, I wouldn't be who I am, where I am right this minute without every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys, and I'll ask you this, like I went into, cause I look at my old journals. I look at the things that I wrote, you know, and that's, that's really good. And I actually go back sometimes. I never listen to my shows at the time, but sometimes I'll go back like 12 years and listen to an episode to see like, you know, where was I, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think at that time I believed that there was something bigger than myself. I believed a lot of these things that I learned as a child. And then after coming through that whole decade long experience, I know. I went from belief to knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever had that experience, Rob? I think so. I mean, there's so many times that I will sit back, capture that Kodak moment and say, yeah, this was given to me by some, oh, talking about moments. Um, my mother's mother, I never knew. She, um, uh, she had died when my mother was pregnant with me. She was from England. She was jovial. She was um, uh, a little bit of Cockney in there, and she just was real sassy. So um, she loved red. Every year, my mother would put a red geranium on the great on the headstone urn. Had to be red. Had to be a big geranium, big poofy geranium. Well, this year Memorial Day kind of came a little bit quicker. It seemed like it was a week ahead. I was I lost it, and my mother somewhere was saying, "You should have your flowers by now," because she was just so on top of everything. And why don't I have my flowers? It was Friday night, so I thought, "Oh gosh, well I'll take a ride." I went to Home Depot. I went to Walmart. I went to Market Basket, which is a chain up here. Um, you know, I went to all these places, there were no red geraniums. So the next morning got up crowded as all get out. I went to this lawn and garden place that's down the street. No red geraniums. There were pink. There were other things that were other kinds of red, no red geraniums. So I said, Oh my God, what am I going to do? So I'm walking down this whole other area where there were rhododendron plants. And, and uh, then there was a section of impatience, nothing to do with geraniums. What was sitting there was this red geranium pot with this huge, poofy, red, brilliant red geranium out of nowhere, out of nowhere. And it was sitting there. And I just literally looked up and I went, thanks mom. because." mom put it there where did that geranium come from you have to believe that there was something i, I just want to say my mom's with me whether you know she's there she's yeah. still taking care of me my mother's in my head all the time she oh never god left. yeah mm-hmm. you know like sometimes i get up in the morning i'm brushing my teeth and i'm standing there and she goes oh would you pull your hair back <laughs> you know there, 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 there are things like that or like you know um I'll I'll do something like and I do I actually listen to her a lot now because Rob she's had this funny thing because like you know how I beat myself up when I was first a single mom like I didn't know how to be a mom much less a single mom single like you know they kind of came hand in hand so mm-hmm. I had all these ideas of what mom should do how mom should act how the house would look and it's only lately where I'll be like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't get this all done. I can't. And my mom will go, well, because you're a single mom, like you're one person, not two. And she keeps mm-hmm. drilling that in my head mm-hmm. because you know, Rob, of all the conversations we've had and the therapists and my friends and everything, only my mom hammers in my head. Like people would say, oh, it doesn't matter. You can leave that. You can leave that. Blah, blah, blah. You know, well, I can't because I'm type A personality, OCD, you know, insanity runs rampant in my family. Mm-hmm. But she keeps saying, well, because you're a single mom. Like, of course you can't. You know, people say, well, why don't you have your kid in this and that? You know, like, well, if I could morph into three people, yeah, yeah I could. Mm-hmm. But one person can only, like, I can work. I can clean. I can take care of the kids but I can't do all three at once. Mm -hmm. And it took my mom's voice in my head to go, duh, because you're a single mom. Yeah. And that gives me some more. You listen to her more now, listen to her more now that she's gone. Yeah. I listen to her. I I truly listen to her more that she's dead than she's Mm -hmm. than when she she ever did when she was alive. 
you know, because she'll come in my head at the strangest places. Like I'll be in my closet, hanging my stuff away. And I'll be like, hmm, should I take this? And she's like, no, that never looked good on you. <laughs> so, you know, is it my divine angel? Is it my mother? It was, is it my subconscious? Is it the little person that lives in my head? Who knows? I like to think it's my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all one thing. It's all connection. And, you know, going back to beliefs, I I think at this point at 52, having experienced the things I've experienced, the one thing that I can walk away saying is that we truly are one. We truly come from one creative energy. We truly are one unit with everything that is, was, and always will be. Mm -hmm. And when we get that connection, when we truly get that connection and live and work from it, I think it makes a difference. Yeah, on the human level and more importantly on the personal level because I'm all about how does this impact me um it, it really is it's selfish and yet it is selfless so well and I think there's a lot of relief in having a solid belief system in something bigger than yourself mm-hmm. you know when I look at my my peers um you know at the end of the day I do the best I can and the rest is up to God that's it that's, that's what I tell myself. I review my day. I think about what I didn't do well, what I could do better tomorrow, like how I could improve. I wake up in the morning and I, I give thanks that I woke up. And then I, you know, I, I think about all the things that I have to do that day. And then I'm like, I just say my little prayer, like, just give me the strength, God, to get through the day and to leave it better than I found it. Like, really simple. And, yeah. you know, by and large, that works. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, mine is guide my heart, my hands, my mind, my mouth, because I can't be trusted on my own. Oh, I have one in my bathroom <laughs> that says, Lord, keep your hand around my shoulder, your something else, and your hand across my mouth. Like something like that. <laughs> yeah. So what about you, Rob? What gets you through the day? What beliefs do you carry that help you? Um, trust that um, I, I probably am, if I'm given a challenge, it's to learn by. If I'm given um a joy it's to survive with those are those are kind of what i like to think of a, as a mantra um challenges are i have to as much as i'm scared of them i will buckle down and say can i do this do i need help can i and what will i learn from it and then the joys that i have i try and say capture that Kodak moment when Steve was just recently out in Albuquerque we met up with my son our son and his wife and uh, our daughter-in-law was busy one day so Steve had our son all to himself they climbed a mountain they did they went out and had a beer Uh, they they did things together that they the two of them have not been together in a long time and I made sure that before the the day started I said to Steve capture every moment like it's a photograph embrace it because the minute we're away from the kids we just angst and say oh my god we miss them so much because i'm in new hampshire one's in north carolina one's in new mexico Mm -hmm. and we are just so far apart physically and we don't have that opportunity to hug but we hug those those captured moments and those are the things that get us to the next time we can be together You know what one of my favorite beliefs to carry is, and I know it sounds like really funny, but it's like stupid things happen. Yeah. Like stupid things happen. Stupid things happen to me all the time. Like, you know, like today I asked Zachary to take the trash out. He's taken the trash out a hundred times. Today there was a hole in it and the applesauce that had been sitting in the fridge for two weeks dripped like all the way down the carpet, all the, and he didn't notice, so he carried it out, oh. you know, it's all over the driveway. It stinks. Yeah. And yeah. I could get mad at him, I could get mad at the situation, or I could just laugh it off and go, you know what, stupid things happen. Because mm-hmm. yeah. as I you get a, older, you realize how many dumb things happen, at least I do, I'm not going to say you guys are, but but dumb things happen, and then I get upset over it, and they're just stupid things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff that won't matter. I had a, a client who she really put it in perspective. Again, going back to creative energy, universal connection. She said God has three answers to every par- prayer. 
Absolutely, yes. Yes, but not right now. And hold on, I have something better in mind for you. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And when she told me that, I was like, it just so resonated with me because it's a, it. the things, you know, what was that Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers? Yeah. The things mm-hmm. that I thought I wanted so mm-hmm. desperately that yeah. I couldn't force into that round hole ended up being such blessings on the other side because there was something even bigger, more beautiful, more spectacular that I couldn't have imagined. Mm, Yep. Well, that's what I felt about my divorce. You know, when it was first happening, I thought I would never get through it. I thought it was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And how am I going to raise these kids? You know, and now 12 years later, People are like, when are you getting married again? I'm like, <laughs> you know, like when I feel like I want to give up my freedom and you know, I don't, I don't want to share a bathroom. I don't want to share a bed. I mean, you could, you could live in the house across the street, which is what I told someone I was dating. I'm like, why don't you buy the house across the street? That way I can have my house. You can have your house and you know, we'll <laughs> Very back across the street and, and be happy. You know, my belief about that changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's part of our perspective shift as we age, as we get older. I, I'm, I'm not one who, oh, those kids, and I remember my time. I just try and look at where I am right now and perspectively, what, what am I growing in? How am I, how am I growing forward? How am I influencing the people that I influence to be open to change because that really is one of the biggest difficulties from a belief perspective that we have. We get stuck in a direction and mm-hmm. we don't want to see change. We don't want to see different. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, my goals, you guys have, have shifted immensely. You know, I used to have these goals of like, you know, products or places or things. And now I just want to be happy. Like, I want to enjoy my day. I want to enjoy the kids. You know, I want to enjoy the clients I work with. And it's, it's only in the last year I took this course with Dr. Geraldine Tegelov. And it was a year-long course. And when I signed up for it, I thought, oh, God, what are you doing? It's, you know, you can't get, you know, through your checklist. Why would you take a year-long course? I mean, really, you know, talk about getting your head examined. Um, but it was one of the best things that I did for myself because it allowed me to, it allowed me to do a reset. And I think we all need resets at times in our lives, especially when we're, we're looking at the next phase of my life. You know, I look at my kids are 13 and 15, Rob, if you can believe it. Remember when I started all this, they were three months old and two and a half years old. Yeah. So now I'm looking at going, okay, what's next? You know, the kids are moving on even Mm -hmm. just now they're, they're moving on to their own, more of their own life. And I'm getting more of my life back. How do I want to spend it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I I don't think I asked myself that for probably ever. It was always do company needs me to do my clients need me to do kids need me to do husband needs me to do. Family mm-hmm. needs me to do. Mom needs me to do. Dad needs me yep. to do. Well, now I have this time and I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I haven't had the opportunity to think about what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. How I wanted to spend my day because my day was primarily obligated to others. Is that an empty nester kind of? I mean, I don't know if that's, is that what I'm heading toward? Yeah, in a way, I think it is. I mean, what do you think, Kimberly? I, you know, honestly, I think it, <laughs> not having nested, um, <laughs> I'm fond of saying the only thing domestic about me is that I live in a house. Yeah. Um, I, I truly believe in it, and I stand by this, the closest you are to your children is while you are carrying them. Yeah. From the moment you give birth, every step they take, every decision that is made is about the extrication of you from their lives. And that is the healthy direction. That is absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big proponent within my client base who, you know, in that mothering 
parenting time frame explaining don't wait until they're 18 and off to college to figure out who the hell you are mm -hmm. you should know this embrace this there is nothing selfish it, it is the selfless act of teaching your children that they are the center of their universe mm -hmm. and should be healthy and appropriately so yeah. congratulations well, yeah. Sandra you're you the most important person in your life Right. You raise your kids to leave you. I yeah. tell my kids that all the time. I'm like, cause they'll be like, why do I have to do this? Like today, Zachy had the shop back out and he had to blow the area by the pool and get the leaves away. And I'm like, because someday I'm going to be dead and you're going to have to clean the pool area. And when you do, your wife won't look at you like a loser because you don't know how to do anything snowflake like this. <laughs> That's the conversation we have. I mean, I, you know, he knows I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. Like, yeah, your yeah. Job, my job is for you to leave because they're like, we don't want to leave, mom. And I'm like, your job is to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mommy's yeah, not building a basement you for you to live in. Yeah. Right. Right. Huh? Mommy's not building a basement for you to live in. No. Because <laughs> I told the kids, like, you know, my dad used to say, like, at 18, you're out. You ship out, you know, you ship out to the military or you go to college. You know, I'm not going to support you. And I was really scared as a little kid thinking, like, my 18th birthday, I'm just going to be out on the door, like, with a suitcase. <laughs> you know? But, yeah. I mean, yeah. go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I'll be sad and stuff, but... um it's kind of nice, you guys, after a decade to have some time to read. Sometimes I finished a book. Mm -hmm. I turned it into mm -hmm. the publisher. Like, I actually did it. It's taken me 12 years. Rob, how many times did I start that book? Over and over and over and over. And then yep. my dad moved in and somebody got sick. And then we had a sick dog. Mm -hmm. And we had, you know, mm -hmm. just constant. And I was actually, like this year... My dad took on more work. The kids took on more work, mm -hmm. and they plowed the road for me to finish my project. Mm -hmm. Who knew? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I, you know what. Thirty-five to forty-five, and I saw this continuously, both in healthcare and in behavioral um, work that I do. It's it's that time frame for women where they really have taken on more than they need to, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But it's also a time frame for realizing it's that tear down to rebuild. And this, again, going back to putting yourself in the center of your universe is what you're here for. Your soul came here for that. Your mm -hmm. consciousness came here for that. These other people are supporting characters in your play. Mm -hmm. They should never be the most important thing in the world. And I know that's a hard here for a lot of moms. but they shouldn't be because you will be gone one day right. and they should be the most important person in their lives. So congratulations, Sandra. You didn't have to have a breakdown to have it. No a lot of women get there. Well, a lot of I women think, get there. you know, that's where, where being a single mom, I think it does make you different from intact family moms, like where you have a husband and a wife, you know, because you don't have that. Some do, but in my case, you don't have a spouse that you can talk to that will give you advice. You know, you can't kind of co-create that thing. And then mm -hmm. you're in your household going, okay, I'm the leader and everybody's the follower. Like there's no co-leader, but conversely, there's also nobody to pick you up when you fall down. And that was the hardest thing for me because when you have little ones and self-care, you know, self-care just went out the window. I mean, I'll be honest, there, there was no self-care. It's like, I've got two kids to feed. I got a mortgage to pay, you know, down to $43 in my account at the end of the month was the lowest I ever went, you know, and that's typical of a lot of single moms. Mm -hmm. So what do you do, but get up the next day and do it all over again? Mm -hmm. Because people would say to me like, oh, if I were you, I'd be so depressed. And I'd be like, no, you wouldn't because you have no time. Like there is, yeah. there is no yeah. time as a single mom to feel sorry for yourself or be depressed. Yeah. You can't we, do it. I used to um, help out a couple of things. A couple of years I would help out down in our church's nursery and kids would be crying and whatever. And I would grab that little one and I would say, go, go upstairs, go have your hour 
to yourself and God. And if that child cried for a solid hour, the child would not be <laughs> any worse for the wear. They would just sleep all afternoon. That's I mean, right. I'm like, <laughs> cry, baby, cry, because you'll be so exhausted by the time yep. I take you home. I can... But that's the one thing. But too, that Rob, was like, remember, I used to do that though. Even um, when I had my mother and I would be stressed, I would go to church. And it, whether the kids were young enough to be downstairs in the nursery or Sunday school, I'm congregational, so we have Sunday school during that time, as opposed to catechism, a different day of the week. We that was my hour, and maybe my brain never heard a word of that of that sermon. Maybe I was off somewhere else. That was my hour. And whether it's church for somebody or whether it's uh, having a friend just be there, whether it's a mother's helper to come for, so you can take a bath. Um, Locking the bathroom door. Yep. Yep. That one, whatever you've carved for yourself is your reboot. You need that reboot. And yeah, that's why I used to go to the gym. You guys, I mean, I would go to the gym. They had three hours of childcare, $2 an hour per kid. There you go. So you drop the kid off and I would tell them I will be in the bathroom. And they're like, for three hours? I'm like, yeah, for three hours. I would go to the bathroom. Then I would deep condition my hair. I would stand under the shower and nobody banged on the door. Nobody said, mom, he hit me. (laughs) And then I would sit down on the, they always have these little benches where you like, you can put your makeup on and stuff like that. And I would open up my day planner and I would plan out things. I would do the things that I could do literally. And (laughs) I didn't lift a weight. Yes. And that's what you got to do. Yes, you I lifted the, the weight, weight off, off your this way. Yeah, the weight off the shoulders. <laughs> no, but I mean, I literally would have this big gym bag and it would have, because yeah. when your kids are little and you, like for me, I have the house of death. I have a balcony they can fall off of, two flights of stairs they can fall down. I got a pool in the backyard so they could drown and, you know, go out into the garage where my dad leaves stuff around and slice your arm off. Like there was no way I was going to leave my kids when they were really little, you guys. I used to take the car seats from my car, stick them in front of the tv lock them in and then i would prop furniture around it because they'd be hitting each other kicking each other and i'd come out down from the shower they'd be tipped over and like hanging out of the car seat like a car crash in my own living room so you prop them up put a movie on but you have to put them in lockdown you know you can't just leave them a toddler no way mm-hmm. no but and i love that you were resourceful that way and kudos to your gym for offering that and i think yeah that's yeah. fabulous. That's where you know? gym was really important. Church was really important. And I used to take the kids to vacation Bible school when they were little. And the pastor was so great because I'd check them into vacation Bible school and I'd say, do you have a little room I can use? He'd let me use a room to work in. Mm-hmm. So I would do my work from the church. Remember, Rob, I did a whole yeah. summer working from two different churches. I did VBS in the morning. Kids went there. I would work. Then I would take them to lunch. And then we'd go to afternoon vacation Bible school. And I'd get three more hours of work done. I got a six-hour work day in, sitting in the back of a church. And sometimes I'd be in the crying room, you know, where the little kids are in the back. And it would be empty. And I'd, like, make my makeshift desk. But you know what? It worked. Yeah. Yep. You know, because you do need to, and I'm 3000 miles from my family. So I didn't have aunts and uncles or, you know, my mom was dead. I didn't have that support system and, you know, trying to stash your kids places when you need to work, I think was the hardest thing for me. Wouldn't you say Rob, when you go back to those days? Absolutely. Um, I, I think, and there again, I think it's that self, um, self-placed obligation that you are the only one now, you do have to accept that help because the only way you can clear and open those channels to wherever your channels need to go is to have that, like I say, that reboot, you got to. But you have to believe it first. Like yes. that's why we're talking about this, you know, like, and I remember the point at which I like waved the, the flag of surrender and the kids were like four and six or maybe five and seven, you know, just right around those ages. And we were watching something and I remember waking up and hearing both of my kids were standing over me and Max goes, I think she's dead. And then Zach goes, poor mommy. Because I was so tired. Because they had been pushing me, and I'm like, (laughs) and I remember hearing that, like, 
I think she's dead. I love oh, it. Poor mommy. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the best I got for you. I need some help. I need some help and I need it now. And I do remember that was when, Robin, you'll remember this. Like my friend Carrie came over and she just did laundry. Because I'm like, I, I yes. called my friends and I put, yes. you, Kimberly, you don't even remember this. I put up on my Facebook page the, um, the bat signal. Yes. <laughs> that became yes. my face. And people were calling me going, what do you need? What's yeah. going on? Yeah. yeah. And they did. They babysat. Yeah. They cooked. They cleaned. They helped me yeah. get. Because at that point, I will never forget. Washer broken. Dryer broken. Garbage disposal broken. Both air conditioning units broken. Pool filter broken. Green pool. And my friends whose husbands were contractors, I remember Tom Costin fixed my air conditioning units. I paid for He says, just pay me for the parts. I'll do the labor. And Rick pushed that washing machine from that house for sale down the street and pushed it up a canyon for my house. But it took, it took the white flag of like surrender yeah. and death to, for me to believe that I could ask for help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and it's so funny cause I, I wrote this down because I wanted to, and you went right there. Um, I've always shared my joys, my triumphs with everybody. Not that I was afraid to, but it was just, my crap is so big and ugly. You don't need to wade through it. I'll figure it out on my own. Menopause has taught me, you know what? Everybody's got the same crap and they may not be able to jump in and take it off my plate, but frankly, they may have, they may have a solution that I haven't thought of. And so many people, because I know like you, Sandra, like you, Robin, I'm the first, somebody tells me, I'm like, what can I do? Yeah, How can I help? Exactly. What can I, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Sandra, you were actually one of the first people who told me, stop taking that off the table for other people. Yes. That was a huge epiphany for me too. One of my friends yelled at me. She's yep. like, why do you rob me of the joy of helping you? Yes. Yep. That yep. was hard. But I do it, it think, guys, you know, when you're in the weeds and, you know, when I talk about the weeds, I'm like, you know, you're like hanging on for dear life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The con, cause Rick would ask me this all the time. He's like, Stan, why don't you ask for help? And I'm like, well, then it means I can't do it. And then he's like, yeah, but you can't do it. I'm like, yeah, but Rick, I can't go there. Because to me, it was like the house of cards that would come tumbling down. I really believed for a long time, if I admitted to myself, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it because I think of that Marine Corps slogan that, you know, battles are lost in the mind. So I was so gung ho about as long as I believe I can do it, I can do it as long as I, and to me asking for help was challenging that belief that I couldn't. And that was really Mm -hmm. faulty thinking for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not even that I, and I'm with you on that. And it's not even that I couldn't do it. It's I'm giving myself the opportunity to not, fix this. So I had this back talk that, you know, it doesn't matter what everyone else says. You really need to be the one doing this. And that's, I don't need to be the one doing everything in my world. I don't ever. And I don't have to anymore. I I have a tremendous support system. But when you're feeling out of control, doesn't it feel good to control things? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we think it does. You think it does, but it does. I mean, Rob, you know, we were on a show uh, prior to this. Um, if you guys want to check it out, it's the show on beliefs. Um, you were talking about when you were sick with cancer and you organizing things, because to me, organizing and controlling, you know, the potato, potato for most of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that helped you feel in control enough to do what you needed to do, which ironically enough was rest. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, whatever enables you is what you need to uh, take on. If, if, if creating a, a calendar for the kids to follow or your husband to follow or your care people, if they're it, like when I had uh, mom, there was just so many things I needed to make sure were taken care of. Organizing it lifted that burden. And I knew that part of my life I was in control of and I could let that go so that I could focus on things at the time of my health. Yeah. I mean, that's the funny thing too. Like as I got older and the kids got 
more self-sufficient, um, I started spending more time taking care of myself because I was breaking down. I could see it. I could see the weight going on. I could see my hair falling out. I could see my, you know, I had like 40 year old acne, like, and it wasn't the hormones. I wasn't even close to being menopause. It was the stress. And I took these yoga classes, you guys, and I did a whole year's worth of yoga. And I bet you I did two downward dogs because I would lay in the back and you can ask Kathy, it was Iyengar yoga and she would cover me with a blanket and I'd nap for an hour and a half. And I would literally just lay in the back of the classroom. She'd wake me up when it's over. And that's what you needed. And that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I was like hanging upside down one time and I started feeling really dizzy. I'm like, Kath, I'm just going to lay in the back. And I'm curious, Sandra, with your boys being teenagers, do you see them taking on your healthier behaviors now oh yeah or leaning into okay, oh my good. god when they were little my kids are like hey yeah you want to load me up on some diet coke i got a spelling test tomorrow <laughs> yeah i mean it was awful when you know kids are mirrors oh god and they reflect back to you your most horrible things i had a third grader that said oh fuck a duck like (laughs) he got that from me you know I I have an addiction issue with soda and my other one and you know and I was honest with him I'm like look you know your mom has a problem every day at 4 30 I have to have a diet coke he's like oh tell me about it like (laughs) and I did when I switched to um water and I switched to going to the gym instead of my more self-defeating behaviors of Fritos and dip and you know cupcakes and all those you know wonderful treats um yeah I mean they they are and and you know the nice thing is Kimberly my older son will go to the gym with me almost every day like he goes mom what time you going I'm like well I teach spin at this time or I do this whatever I'm taking this Zumba class he's like all right I'm there and it's really nice. I mean, we don't like sit next to each other and, you know, do these things, but he works out in his area. I work out in mine. And then Zachy goes to his dance class. So, you know, like, yeah, I mean, we are, we do our shakes in the morning and thank God, finally, I don't have one meal for my dad, one meal for my younger one, one meal for my older one and one meal for me, because that was, that was really challenging. I had two um, kids with health issues and my dad with health issues at one point. And I couldn't find a meal that could feed all four of us. Yeah. It, it, I look back and I, my parents gave me a lot of really good direction with their poor parenting. Um, <laughs> but I, like you said, it's the mirror. I look at the issues I created in my life health-wise had everything to do with what was modeled not what I was sure but what was modeled in my world you know it's like there's no surprise like I will buy uh these German chocolate bars I buy chocolate chip cookies and I hide them and skittles skittles are the my like downfall like if I'm going to write a book I need to have skittles and my kids are like heat-seeking missiles, and they're looking around the house because they know I have it hidden somewhere. And then they find my stash, and then I don't realize they found my stash until I go to look for it. Like, who <laughs> ate my chocolate? <laughs> yeah. And they do the same coping things. I mean, hands down, Kimberly, absolutely. They're little mirrors. I think it's funny. My daughter now married, has a house, her own home. And um, so many times when she was young, she'd be so frustrated at me. Oh, mom. Oh, mom. You know, the teenage rolled eyes. And now I, last time I was down at her house, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just watching myself (laughs) in that, in her, everything that I, she would fuss about me and whatever. She's doing it now. I mean, yep. It's just, yeah, you, she's turned into her mother. Well, yeah, and I'm always like, you know, like, what would my mom do? I'm like, hell if I know. Like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. You know, it's, it's it, you know, these kids come out and you're supposed to figure it out. Like, and so much of it is on the fly and, you know, I'm not a fly girl. So I will just kind of mimic I'll go to Pinterest, I'll go to YouTube, and then I'll think, okay, what would my mom do? You know, they kept us alive, so. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all good. 
But I think, you know, the beliefs, like your beliefs change as you get more confident. You know, I'm actually working oh, yeah. with four or five newly single moms with younger children. And they're like, Rob, you'll die when you hear they say this. They're like, oh, Sandra, you're so confident. You have the answer for everything. And I'm like, <laughs> you should have seen the days you could mop the floor with my head. You are the beacon now. There, When I was sick, there was a woman who was beyond all of it, and she was my beacon. Yep. When I needed to get through what I needed to get through, I looked ahead at what my future was going to be, and I focused on that beacon. I didn't focus on the trouble. I fe- focused on the beacon. And you now have been through it all. You are their beacon because they need the help to get through what they need to and they've got to focus on something and you are there for them shocking isn't it it is but you're there and what better person than you well i don't know about that but i can teach you to wear a sailor you know how to feed your kid mountain dew to keep them awake because i used to give my kids when i would fly to new york you guys and then you know like it's just awful i gotta wrap up the show but i'm gonna leave you with this little tidbit If you are getting on a long flight with your children and they're really young and it's just you and it's a long flight, starve them. Don't give them anything to eat. Then give them some Mountain Dew right before you get on the long car ride to the airport. Watch them just go bananas. (laughs) And on takeoff, hand them a sippy cup and a bottle of milk. And you're home free from L.A. to New York, six and a half hours, worked every single time, no drugs. They'd exhaust themselves. It was like the screaming baby express to the airport. And if they would scream, I'd play the music louder because that would make them even madder. And I needed them to exhaust themselves because there's nothing worse than chasing two toddlers by yourself with luggage in JFK. Yeah. Yeah. There you have it. There you go. Believe you can. Love it. And you can. Kimberly Rinaldi, Robin Boyd, thank you for a great show today. We'll be back again next week. Thank you. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be. 